Welcome everyone to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Joining us today is Gwen Gittens, school board member, District 5. Ms. Gittens, <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate your taking the time to uh, get to know me a little bit. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on uh, November 6, 2018, you became the first African-American voted to the Lee County School Board, and then you were promptly voted board chairwoman. Uh, (laughs) My head's still spinning. (laughs) So we're going to, a lot to talk about, and Mm -hmm. we're going to start by getting to know you, just like you said. So we're going to talk about your background. So where where did you grow up? It's kind of a long story, but I I was born in Mississippi. I went at uh, about two years old. I moved to Champaign, Illinois. And then at 14, we moved to Chicago. So I went to high school in Chicago. And uh, I got married there. Then I lived, uh, we moved all around. I lived in California, Texas, Puerto Rico, Bermuda, the Cayman Islands. <laughs> so I've been all over the place. What, what brought you to? Uh, to Florida. Well, I was going to say to, to Puerto Rico or the Bermuda. And- um, my husband, he was now deceased, um, was a minister. And so his area was the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So we were based in Puerto Rico, and our zone or area was all the Caribbean islands. It, it was really rough. <laughs> no, but it was, um, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. We went to every island pretty much in the, uh, in the Caribbean and uh, traveled quite a bit. So whenever I was home, I was grateful to be stationary and home and yeah. have a home-cooked meal. Wait, so when, mm-hmm. when were you in the Caribbean? Um, this was, let's see, in the uh, end of the 70s and 80s, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. We lived in Bermuda for 10 years. In mm-hmm. fact, my son um, was born in Bermuda. And so whenever he wants to be exotic, he says he's Bermudian. I said, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) How many children do you have? Just one. Just one. Just the one son. He lives out in Denver, Colorado. Cool. Uh, So and then so when did you come to Florida? To Florida. Well, when um, the last Caribbean place we lived was in um, the Cayman Islands. And as my son was getting up to school age, I decided, you know, we need to come back to the state so he can be educated. In, in the U.S. And after living in those climates for that long, there was no way I was going back to Chicago. So I said, we have to have a warm climate. Florida was it. And um, so we lived in uh, Tampa for a while. And I worked for Bank of America. And they transferred me to Orlando. And there I was uh, in charge of a statewide training program. And then, let's see, how did we get, I moved to Port St. Lucie with the same bank with Bank of America. And that's where I met my present husband, Martin. And we moved, we lived over uh, in Port St. Lucie on the East Coast and decided to move over here to help a friend out that was opening up a church, actually. And that was in uh, 2003. And so I decided... You know, I've been training adults for all these years. I think it's time for me to try my hand at, tra- at teaching kids. So I started out as a sub in the school system. And I had no idea what level I wanted to teach. So on the little check box for um, being a sub, I checked every box and everything. I went places in this county that I had no idea even existed. But I did decide that... Um, the the little ones as lovely as they were, I 
didn't think that was me. Middle school, they didn't know who they were and I didn't know who they were yet. So high school, I figured since I was in corporate before that I could help them in those last couple of years to get ready to go out into the real yeah. world. Um, so yeah, we'll talk uh, about your teaching experience, but I just mm -hmm. want to talk about uh, your work with Bank of America for a little bit. Mm -hmm. How long did you work with Bank of America? Uh, about 11 years. 11 years. Mm -hmm. And you said you did training for them? Yes. What, what kind of training? Um, I started out over in Tampa. We did corporate training for, um, I had 19 banks that I was uh, responsible for. And we did, uh, you know, the training for different processes and things that came out. We did management training. We did uh, communication, uh, diversity, all types of things, mm -hmm. all types of trainings for all levels mm -hmm. of, of staff. And then when I moved to Orlando, I was in the retail side. So I managed 19 banks and their sales and and uh, training and all of that type of thing. And and during that part, we were very involved with the community as well. So yeah. it was it was a lot of fun too. And I think uh, you have um, you have a bachelor's in psychology and business from the University of Maryland. Yes. And you have a master's in education leadership from Nova University. Yes. yes. Um, so have you have you always been interested in? Education then? In education and psychology, yeah. and it was interesting. I finished my bachelor's in psychology when I was in Bermuda. And when you're in a foreign country, uh, a lot of times uh, colleges and universities will go on the uh, the Navy base, the Army base. So we had a Navy base there. So our instructors were shipped in every six months from uh, University of Maryland. So I did my uh, bachelor's there in psychology. And then after I worked for the school system for a while, I was looking at uh, moving up and possibly, you know, uh, going into another aspect of education. So I decided to do my master's in ed leadership. And the interesting part about that is that two of the superintendents were uh, my instructors. Uh, Dr. Graham was one of my instructors, and actually Dr. Atkins was. Oh. So I learned about HR from <laughs> from the HR himself, cool. from Dr. Atkins. So we've known each other for quite a while. So you, you got your master's um, after you moved to Florida? Yes. Okay. Act actually, after I moved yeah. to uh, Fort Myers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what is it about... Um, psychology that got you interested in, in psychology? Oh, I just love um, talking with people and and analyzing people, so be careful. No. <laughs> no, I just, I love the study of why people do what they do, how they think. And at one point, I was considering being a counselor. Um, and I kind of realized that I, I, am too, I guess, heartfelt <laughs> in a sense about it because um, I take a lot of it, you know, to heart. I worry about the people and all that. But I still, getting into education, you still do that. Mm -hmm. um, you use the psychology skills in dealing with children to find out, okay, what's what's really happening? It's not that you're just not doing the work because you don't want to, because you're capable. Mm -hmm. So let's sit down and talk. A little story about that when I taught at um, Lehigh Senior High School. And uh, whenever a student would 
start acting out or doing something, I'd say, you know, come come out here in the hall with me for a minute. And I would stand between, you know, in the doorway so I could watch the class, but have the other the child stand outside. And I'd say, what's going on? And sometimes our students just need someone to, you know, to care about how they feel and what is actually going on. And nine times out of ten, when you remove them from the peer pressure, connect with them on an emotional level, they usually end up in tears. So I would tell them, okay, you go down the hall to the restroom, take a minute, get something to drink, come back when you're ready. But when they came back in, they were ready to learn. Mm. So one day, this new kid was in the class, and he was doing something. I said, come over here, just come talk to me for a minute. So this other kid gets up and hands him a box of tissues. He says, here, kid, take that with you. You're going to need it. <laughs> and sure So you enough, had a reputation. I did. It preceded me. Right. Well, how did, how did it feel um, when you would kind of see that that transformation in, in the kids just, just by talking to them and, and letting them know that there's somebody who cares? It just reinstated in me the the idea and the thought that everybody just needs someone to look at you at least once a day and say how are you doing mm-hmm. or you know and and that they feel it that they feel you really do care um we have a demographic of of students now that um that need that sometimes they don't get that i mean we we have a very diverse uh, demographic of students. We have a a working community, so we're we're not in the community that much of the gated where um, you know the mother may be home or the father may be home, and you walk in and there's cookies baking and you know apple pie in the window. It's this is 2019 and that doesn't happen. And people are working two and three jobs and um, trying to just make ends meet. And so we teachers and educators be have to fill in that gap for kids. Otherwise, sometimes they don't get it. Um, I had a student one time, it was first period class, I was working at Island Coast. Every day he would fall asleep in class. And so, of course, I took him outside and said, let's talk, what's going on? Well, he said there was, I forget how many people living in the house, and everybody had a responsibility. And his responsibility was a light bill. So he, when he left school, he went to the first job. He'd go home and sleep for a little bit. And then at about 2 or 3 o'clock, his dad would get him up, and they'd do the paper route. And once the paper route was done, he'd sleep for about a half hour after that and then come to school. They'd drop him off at school. So I said, okay. We're going to make a deal. Your grades are good. I know that you understand what's going on. When you come in here and you feel like you really just can't keep your eyes open, just let me know, and I'll let you come on the side over here. You can sit on the floor and you know, just close your eyes for a minute. And it worked for him. He was, he was an excellent student. He was learning what he needed to, and his grades were good. And we all know, you know, you get to the point where you're so sleepy, you just feel like it's torture. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I just couldn't do that to him, knowing the background as to why. Yeah, that's, I can't imagine that. going to a full day of school after waking up at 2 or 3 at in the morning. 2 or 3 and, in the yeah. morning and throwing papers and then sleeping in the car for about a half hour. Mm. Some of the stories of um, 
what our students go through um, are just they're awe-inspiring that they're still there, yeah. that they still show up mm-hmm. and they come. And the fact that he was you know, still maintaining good grades. Yes, yeah. and, and loved it. We, uh, I was teaching entrepreneurial uh, class, and he was one of the top ones. They, he and his group created some uh, item or whatever, and he just loved it. But he just mentally was too tired. Mm. So it says to me that we have to meet kids where they're at. Um, I had a student one time that we had a project and they had to do a poster board. And I kept saying, you know, when are you going to turn it in? When are you going to turn it Oh, okay, I'll do it. I, and I, I said to him, do you need the board? Because I'll give it to you. I gave him the board and some colored pencils. He still came back the next day with it not done. When I talked to him, you know why he didn't have it done? Because there was no area big enough where he lived to spread out a poster board and to work on. There was somebody either sleeping or eating or whatever in every inch of the house. Mm-hmm. So I just told him, you know, come to school a little early or come during lunch and we'll work on it. Yeah. So. so you've been to you. So uh, the it was 13 years that you were working as a was it a substitute the whole time? Oh, or no, you ever, no, 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 no. OK. No, I, I worked for um, I did subbing about a year. Oh, OK. <laughs> and then, um, in fact, I was subbing at Lehigh Acres Middle when Pete Bohatch was was the principal there. And I, I heard when I was told that he was going to be transferred to Lehigh Senior. So I walked into his office one day. I said, Peach, you got to take me with you. <laughs> and he said, well, I don't know if I have any more spots. I said, just take me with you, and I'll do subbing, I'll do whatever, because I want to get into high school. And I went over there as like a permanent sub, and about... Uh, six months or so later, he hired me in a full-time position. And um, I, you know, I just, I loved teaching high school. I did um, business. I did entrepreneurial leadership. I was always the student government leader and all that type of thing. And um, I did Lehigh Senior, then um, Island Coast. Then at East, I was recruited by Mr. Davis, as he likes to say, voluntold, um, to head up the AVID program. So I started AVID over there. And um, then I decided I went to... I'm sorry, can you, um, just for people who don't know what what AVID AVID is? is, That's right. AVID is Advancement via Individual Determination. And it's um, in a encapsulated form. It's like a college prep course in a sense it talks about college and everything but it also um teaches you study skills and communication skills and all that i think i read that you uh, were quickly able to bring it from zero to about 200 students about 200 students when i when i left in like 2015 and uh, then i started working part-time i decided okay i'm just not gonna do it full-time anymore and uh started working as a sub that lasted for about a year. And then Mr. Savage, who was at James Stevens, called me. He says, I need you to come help us out. I said, well, I'm not working more than two days a week. Well, that ended up to be full time after about a year. And I said, the only way I'm going to stop is just to retire. 
so I retired totally uh, back in 2016, I think. So were you were you there when part part of that turnaround at James Stevens where they went from yes the, yes I think it was like a D to a B or it, a, it something was like that. yes I was there for part of that I was heading up their um, computer F, labs maybe an F to a B an F to a B yeah, yeah it was a big big jump yeah but it was an excellent team and they still work very hard mm-hmm. over there as yeah. well. How would you um, how would you compare working, you know, in the corporate environment for Bank of America to the teaching environment? Did you feel um, did you feel like you were missing something when you worked for Bank of America that made you want to that made you want to go into teaching? Or well, I felt that I could help young people. I I saw a gap even in, in young people that were coming into the banking situation. And I was what I was seeing, too, is that people were getting into jobs and like, oh, I want to do this, but a little while later it's like, oh, I don't like this. So I felt like if I could help them to prepare to come out into the working world and into corporate America, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I'd worked with adults for quite a while, so I said, let me see what I can do to help kids. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so rewarding working for young, with young people. Um, I mentioned in one of the meetings this week that there's nothing like um, a teacher getting a phone call or an email from a student they taught asking for a letter of reference so that they can be a teacher. It's like full circle. Yeah. Uh, so you said you've been all over the place, elementary, middle, high school. So you, said, you mentioned Lehigh Senior, Island Lehigh. Coast, mm-hmm. Lehigh Acres Middle, um, James Stevens, Eastley. Eastley was my love. And kudos to them again for all that they're doing for our students out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's probably rare for a school board member to have that kind of experience at all three levels, levels of education right and then when i was at um when i worked at lehigh senior i did uh, ged at night so um i kind of went the gamut from adult ed all the way down to to kindergarten wow. so and you, you um, preferred high school i preferred high school but when i went to james stevens it re kind of rekindled my love for the little ones. Yeah. They are just, except for the first week if you're teaching computers and they have to log in with this number as long as this. <laughs> and the first day, I remember I had like 27 little first and kindergartners. And the first time they all got on at one time, I took a picture of the back of their heads. I'm like, we did it. <laughs> But they're so they're so um, it's it's a lot of fun working mm-hmm. with them. Okay, so switching gears to uh, when you decided to run for school board, mm-hmm. uh, was that something that you had been thinking about doing for a long time? I know that you've been coming to the meetings for <laughs> for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you decide to run? And my faith, and here's why I say that. Because people had asked me before, why, why don't you run for school board? And, ah, I don't want to do anything like that. And coming to the meetings, though, in the back of my head, I kept saying, oh, if I could just say this, or maybe they could try this. And so it was in the back of my head. 
But I was talking to some people one day about it and really thinking about it. And I woke up one morning and out of a dream, and in the dream I was sitting on the dais, and there was a lighthouse going around. And I thought, okay, I guess maybe I should do this or give it a try. And within a week or so, I went down and signed up to um, to run for office. Never been in politics before, and I I don't know that I would uh, recommend it to everyone. It's not for the faint of heart, but um, once I get into something, I'm in pretty much whole hog. So for 11, 12 months, I knocked on doors. I talked to people. My husband would not go to dinner with me because he knew if I said, oh, I'm going to the restroom, I'll be right back, that I was going to talk to everybody along the way. <laughs> but it worked out because on, on uh, election day, I was standing out waving signs, and this lady stopped in her car, and she rolled her window down. She says, I just voted for you. Remember you talked to me at Perkins? <laughs> that was, that was going to be my next question. Like, what is... Um because I'm just curious, what is the process like in, in, in the months leading up to an election like that? Like the campaigning that involves, what is it like? Well, it's what you make of it. Mm. If you really are in whole hog, then it's a lot of work. Um, I, I ran a lot of my campaign uh, on social media. So in the mornings when I would get up uh, to go wave signs as people were dropping their students off, I had um, my phone in the car, and I'd go Facebook Live, and I'd say, okay, today we're going to such and such, and if you're there, make sure to wave at me and you know show me some love or whatever, and I'd wave and talk to parents and that type of thing, and I'd leave there, and if, I, if, if your car was parked outside in your driveway, I'm going to knock on your door, <laughs> so I would just stop along the way and talk to people and let them know what some of the things that were going on and ask them how they felt about it. Mm. You know, what are your thoughts about this? It was amazing to me, though, the lack of knowledge of what was happening at the time we were doing the half-cent sales tax. Mm -hmm. And um, I could go down a block, 10 or 12 houses, and maybe three people were aware mm of the you know things that were going on in education and half or more of them would have children in school hmm. so that was kind of my goal to educate um, the community and say this is what's going on and you know this is how we can work on fixing it or maintaining it and you know not throwing out everything we're doing some good things in the district and we've done some good things hmm. um but it is 2019, so how can we look at making adjustments to fit everybody? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, ballpark. How many houses do you think you you knocked oh, on the door? Goodness, um, it was nothing to do like 50 a day. Wow, because I would go out and sometimes in the morning, and then you you kind of get the feel that during this time people are going to be home, yeah. but they're getting ready to go, so they really don't want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. So you got to get that sweet I did, spot. I did a lot of door knocking when I was a reporter. <laughs> See, trying to get yeah, then you people. understand yeah. what I mean. Yeah. You got to get that sweet spot to where, yeah. you know, they're not hungry or too mm -hmm. tired yeah. or too yeah, hot. I would look for the houses with, that had cars. With the, the cars. Too. See, I'm telling you, yeah. it's a strategy. Um, but you go out and... To me, that's the campaign. 
to talk to as many people as you can because you don't want um, a bad sampling of an issue. A bad sampling is, you know, you talk to your family, you talk to your friends, they really don't like this, okay, or they love this. But if you talk to, I remember one day I was driving along, I'd stopped in a Circle K over on Orange Boulevard, and there's a trailer community over there. I said, you know, I haven't been in here. So I just pulled in. Anybody that was outside or had their car out, I knocked. And there's this old guy, he was sitting on the patio, and I went up to him and I handed him my card. He says, what are you doing over here? I said, well, I'm running for school board and I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, what you think. He said, you know what, just for the fact that you're here and nobody else has ever knocked on my door and did this, you got my vote. <laughs> and a lot of times that's what happens. Yeah. You have to really work at it. I remember Spencer Roach, um, who run, ran for office at the same time, I think he and I did the most door knocking in our area. We'd pass each other in the road and go, hey, I just did this part. I'm going that way. Well, I'm going this way. But you have to really involve the community. You have to know issues. And sitting in the back of that boardroom and understanding and listening and doing your homework and... Um, because there are some people that will call you on it if you, you know, say something that you feel, but it's not accurate. So you have to do your homework. You have to talk to people. You have to be willing to do the hard things. The day after the election, when I won, and I had been getting up early, going out every morning, my husband says, I know you're going to sleep in. I said, nah, I got something to do. So I had took one of my big four by four signs and I had an easel that I put it on. And I went to one of the busiest intersections in, in the Lehigh area where I always stood. And I turned it around backwards and on the white side. And I took a spray paint um, can of red paint and put thank you and stood out there and waved at people. And they're like, didn't you just win last night? Yeah, but I had to do this. So, so yeah, so you, you became the first African-American voted to the Lee County School Board. And personally, when I learned that I mm -hmm. was frankly shocked that I mean here we were in 20, I 2018 and I couldn't couldn't believe that I know um, so what, what did that mean to you it's it's kind of I tell people there's a, a lot of people behind me that got me here I didn't do this alone there are a lot of people that have tried to get into this position and circumstances and the time it was just time for this to happen um i did my homework my footwork and everything and i want to represent everybody i just happen to be black you know that's who i am unfortunately there were never any minorities on this board and like you said that that was shocking to me. It was not my driving force that I am doing this so that I can be the first. Sure. I would rather my legacy be I was the first person that brought the type of empathy that I bring, that helped to solve problems like I do. Um, and I represent the the minority community as a whole, the black community. And people used to interview me and would say, you know, what are you going to bring to the board that that's different? 
And my answer was always empathy because I've been a teacher. I have been, you know, I'm still a minority. I understand how it feels. And empathy is so different from sympathy. You know, it's that you know deep down inside what it feels like to go through, you know, not being a part of something or having to be 10 times better in order to be a part of something. And there's just nothing like experience. And I look at um, minority students, and we talk about this all the time with the board as well. We need examples. We need them to, when I say there's a lot on my shoulders, when those little kids sit in the audience and look at me up on the podium and to be, be able to say, one day I can do that because see, there's someone that looks just like me. So jumping off of that, what are your main goals, uh, you know, for this board, mm -hmm. for this district, you know, moving forward? What are some things that you'd like to see happen? Um, I would like to see us, firstly, coming to the table and just like taking that box and dumping everything out on the table and saying, okay. What what's working? What maybe we need to adjust? Um, and just kind of thinking forward, not like I said, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but deciding what do we need to keep? What do we need to adjust? Who do we need to to have involved in that decision of what to keep? Um, I mentioned in one of the meetings the other day, I was a uh, I was the um, chairperson for DAC for a while, the District Advisory Council. And I was uh, the school coordinator for the School Advisory Council at three different schools. And I said, we're in 2019. Ten years ago, I was on DAC and SAC. And our main issue was, how do we get people to come to meetings? Guess what our main issue is today? How do we get people to come to meetings? Mm -hmm. So. Obviously, we're doing something not necessarily wrong, but we need to look at it from a different focus. And maybe we need to get some of the kids from the, the high school and some of the schools to come and get in a room and sit on the floor and say, okay, what can we do to help get your parents involved? What would it mean to you um, for your parents to be involved? Because historically, parents are in elementary school, oh, they're there. You know, the cookies and the cupcakes, and they're there for everything. Middle school, the kids start saying, eh, I don't really need you here that much. And they still kind of hang out a little bit. By high school, you have parents. <laughs> okay, so, and and it's partially just the kids say, oh, you know, don't come up to school. I don't need it. But you know how kids are. They'll say, don't don't hug me. I don't want to hug. Hug me. <laughs> do you think um, Do you think maybe part of the reason for the um, low turnout at meetings is lack of interest or maybe just, you know, people today are just so busy that they don't have time to come? It's, it's dual. It's yeah. part of the busy. It's part of our demographics and everybody's working, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, even like our teachers working two and three jobs just to make ends meet. But also one of my main goals is to help, um, I guess it's best said, translate what we do in this building and in those schools. 
I was mentioning this to the superintendent one day. I said, you know, within this building, we have some really smart people, and they know their jobs, and they do their jobs very well. But when you're passing someone in the hallway that's as educated as you, you're going to talk in $25 and $30 words. And, oh, yes, we're doing this and we're doing that. And you're impressing each other. Outside of these walls, the people don't want the $25 or $30 words. That's where the, um, um, what's the word for it, being transparent mm -hmm. Transparency to a lot of the working people out there are, I don't understand you. Yeah. That's their definition of transparent. So we have to find a way, and as educators, that really shouldn't be too hard to, it's like differentiated education. You know, Johnny is not understanding this lesson the way I just taught it. So let me sit down and say, find a way to explain it to him so that he is successful. We have to find a way to explain what we do to the parents and the people out there that don't have the same education level or desire or can, you know, whatever, um, to learn it. But we've got to make it important. Yeah. And I think the way to do that is through the kids. Yeah, I was going to follow up with what do you think is the most effective way to make to do that? I I think it's going to be through the kids more so. Um, Adults tend to be talking heads, and you know we know our thing, and we get out there and oh, you've got to come to the meetings, and all. doesn't mean a thing. But if your child comes to you and say, you know, if you go to this meeting with me, not only will I get extra credit, but you'll get to meet this teacher I was telling you about, and you get to see my project that's up on the wall, and it's important to me. And when your child looks at you and says it's important to me, you kind of try to make, you know, a way to do it. But if, um, for example, when I was on SAC at um, East Lee, and 80, 90% of the kids at East Lee are bussed in. So you have a SAC meeting for parents. Where are they going to come from? We need you to bus them in or we go where they are. If you're getting kids from this portion of the county and the school's way out here, Something needs to be done. Jump out of the box. Ten years we've had the same issue. And to me, that's not okay. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we go to five questions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I thought it was over. Um, basically, I just want to say I am in this to do what's best for children I have a, a lighthouse that if you walk out there now, it sits at my desk. And the purpose of the lighthouse, when I was sworn in, I said, I will leave this on my desk for the four years that I'm here to remind me and hopefully those around me that everything you do and say, somebody is watching. Whether it's a child or an adult or somebody, we have um, a responsibility because we're affecting our community with what we say, what we do, how we act, our facial expressions. Um, you know, I have to be careful that somebody will say something, you you know, you can't do that. Yeah. Because someone is seeing that and saying, oh, there was something wrong with that. It may not be. I may have just hit my toe under the table. You know, but it, I have circumvented something that's going on. So the main thing is to keep children first. 
I, I think visually, I think of like the spoke and a wheel, and the kids are in the middle. And everything you do and say needs to lead back to that. I asked the other day about, and in the meeting, about having pictures of kids up during parts of the meeting. So we're reminded all the time. Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that if you can't make it to a school board meeting, we do live stream Definitely. every board meeting and the mm -hmm. briefing meetings as well on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You go to YouTube, search Lee County Public Schools, subscribe to our channel if you can. And yes. uh, yeah, if you can't make it to the meeting, you can always watch it live as it's happening on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so time for five questions. Okay. You got them ahead of time, right? You, five, four, three, two, one. All right. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all right, so question number one, what's your favorite book or who's your favorite author? I love Maya Angelou. Um, I think my favorite is a toss-up between, though, uh, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings and, um, uh, goodness, I just lost the name of it, um, Boo Radley. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, uh, I'll think of it in yeah. a second. I just lost it just like yeah, that. I'm spacing on it, too. But anyway, um, it's, uh, I look at the uh to to kill a mockingbird oh, yeah, i knew yeah, i would think yeah. about it. to kill a mockingbird i read it every now and then i read that book every now and then because i look at some of the things that happened and i compare it to today mm -hmm. and amazingly some of the same things happen yeah still relevant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. have you read uh ghost at a watchman the 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 follow no. up to it. Oh, I think I did a long time ago. Yeah, it came out of like three or four years ago. I yes, think, yes, yes. I, um, mm -hmm. I haven't, haven't read it yet, but it's mm -hmm. been sitting on my shelf. Uh, okay. okay, what is your favorite movie? Ooh, that's hard, but because then I'm going to tell you how old I am. I, I'll do it current. The Green Book. Oh, but, yeah. That's, oh, I've, my goodness. That was so Yeah, Emily just saw it recently. <laughs> oh, it was so it's, I've good. been meaning to go see it. And yeah. it's one of those like To Kill a Mockingbird mm -hmm takes you back yeah um and between that and i think mean, that one and fences i went to I've see fences, the play yeah. fences yeah. at the arcade oh to see that mm -hmm. and especially being african-american it's so real yeah you know the things that um they're saying oh, my mother said that to me <laughs> mm -hmm. so that's those two things two movies are really good. yeah denzel is one of my favorite actors oh, we uh, won't go there my <laughs> husband gets jealous no, I'm just <laughs> uh okay who's your favorite uh singer musical group or um, you'd say favorite song my favorite song is you've got a friend yeah always has been uh what's what's his name um there's several versions of it, but my favorite singer is Carole King yeah. and her Tapestry album. And yes, I know the whole album. And I won't say when it came out, but I used to put that on. I could I could sing the whole thing without even playing the album, yeah. even the beats in between. Um, there's just so much feeling in it. But You've Got a Friend has always been one of my favorites, yeah. Universal songs. I just love it. Uh, Okay, so growing up, what was your favorite subject in school? Not math. Okay. <laughs> um, I think English and reading only because you could get away from where you were. I'll never forget someone gave me a, um, a Nancy Drew series. And I 
I've, I've tried that on kids, even, you know, myself. Well, try reading this, and I know it's a series, because you get hooked and you think, oh, what's going to happen next? And before you know it, you're reading and reading. And that's what's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what that. like Harry Potter did for a generation of kids, too. Oh, yeah. 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 But I used to think, I mean, Harry Potter books that thick. <laughs> yeah, Nancy Drew's. I mean, Nancy Drew, it's <laughs> thick, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Harry Potter, woo. <laughs> okay, last question. Okay. If you could have dinner or conversation with anyone living or dead, I know it's kind of a cliche question, but I like to hear people's I answers. Know, Who would it be? I know. In the position that I'm in right now, it would probably be um, the Obamas, Barack and Michelle because there is a parallel to being the first anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. And someone that has done that and been through it understands the complexity of it and how you know going in you're not going to make all the people happy all the time. And this group is going to be upset and this group is going to be happy that you did and said what you did. And reaching that balance, walking out of it in four years unscathed, and mm. still being Gwen Gittins. All right. <laughs> Seems like a nice place to end it. Thank right. you. Gwen Gittins, thank you so much for oh, taking the time to be here. It. I really thank enjoyed the you. conversation. Thank you so much. Right. And thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>